you reach out to push the orc death knight off the cliffs of insanity and roll a one and gently caress his back. The orc is mildly uncomfortable. I'm Chris Porteau, author of Tales of Bee Company, the complete collection, and host of Sci-Fi Writers Playing Old School D&D. Welcome to the show. Last time, we debuted our first podcast, and based on its popularity, it seems like a lot of you are interested in hearing a group of old geeks pretend like they're 12 again. Lucky for you, we're back! We thought we might take this week's episode and introduce you to our characters. Gonsalvo the Paladin, Thorson the Cleric, Mirama, the ranger, Barabosa, the barbarian, Anjou, the monk, and, of course, the mouthy bard everyone wants to hear less of, Farson. Also, Jason Anspach, our barbarian named Barabosa, will interview Farson himself, Forbes West, author of the book Medium Talent and first-time D&D player. And we'll introduce a new segment, our first random encounter. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The monk Anjou Jin was born into a peasant family in the mountains, working the local lord's lands for a meager subsistence. Anjou worked competently, as he was told, but his eyes never strayed from the horizon, and his mind never stopped wondering what else was in the world. At the age of nine, he left his village and traveled until he came to the sunken Kotai Monastery, which he'd heard of but never seen. For three days, he stood before the great oaken doors, waiting. After the third day, the doors opened, and a wizened man in red robes bade him enter. 
Over the next decade, Anjou was taught to defend himself and to attack, the ways of mustering and channeling his key into physical acts, and learned letters, handwriting, and reading. Now, his master has ordered him away from his home and out into the world to learn about the rigors of life. Brother Anjou has no idea what lies ahead, but will not refuse his trial. Hear the words of King Barbas, son of Baros, as he sent his son Barabosa to scout the world. Barabosa, destroyer, go and walk the settled lands. A shadow raider you shall be, spying the land for its coming apocalypse. Remember the strength of your fathers, hewed from rock and steel at the world's beginning. It is known. Do not soften among the weak. Crush their champions. Take their women. Drink their wine and mead. Find the ends of the earth, my son, and return to take your place on my throne and lead bar, our people, to conquest. Barabosa runs a gleaming blade across his pectorals, placing a massive hand over the gushing torrent of blood. King Father, I go, and will return to make your lifeblood flow into the ground and anoint my reign. It is known, my son. The bard, Farson Winhook, was born an orphan and raised by a college of traveling bards known as the Forty Upon Fifty. Unjustly accused of being a band of thieves as well, the Forty Upon Fifty were wiped out in the westernmost province of Imperial Akadios by a lynch mob of peasants and clerics five years ago, leaving Farson Winhook one of the few survivors from the massacre. A man haunted by the past, he wanders out to the desolate east, covering up his bitterness and resentment with jokes, music, and long drinking sessions. He's looking for enough gold and treasure to start a life of leisure and luxury, and to forget the horrors of that fateful night in the West. And he will do anything to obtain them. The paladin Gonsalvo de Silva comes from the lands of Further Navarre, located along the western coasts. Further Navarre was once a powerful merchant kingdom until it fell into decline and became the westernmost province of Imperial Acarios. After the death of his mother, young Gonsalvo was sent to the cathedral in Cadares by his father, the Hidalgo of a lonely village in the foothills of the coastal Manzanares mountain range. The priests trained Gonsalvo to be a holy warrior and hoped that he might lead his village and assume the role of Hidalgo one day. But when Gonsalvo finally returned home, he found the family estate desolate and abandoned, and the vineyards untended and dead. In the sleepy nearby fishing village, Gonsalvo learned that his father, the old Hidalgo, had gone off and disappeared into the ocean wastes, lured away by demonic sirens and their songs of treasure, adventure, and lust in lands beyond the sea. Gonsalvo returned to Cadores and joined the Order of Light, dedicating himself to vanquish the evil that has poisoned the western kingdoms. Journeying east from Acadios, he has arrived at a lonely keep that borders the great eastern wastes, following whispers of a powerful and ancient evil that sleeps beneath the sands of the ruined kingdoms. Traveling merchants from as far away as Hub, the border town that connects the east and west via the tradesman's road, bring rumors from the east. Tales of seemingly apocalyptic events reach the cautious ears of King Fionor of the wood elven realm of Silverglen. Tales of natural catastrophes occurring in unnatural magnitude and frequency. A great upheaval that destroys the Dwarves' Stone Kingdom. 
children stolen in the night from Hub and other settlements along the border between East and West, demonic voices leading men to their doom. Though King Fionor is content to sit high in the trees of Silverglen and let the rest of the world suffer itself to ruin, he also knows he must be ready for whatever is coming. Refusing to send his personal guard on such a dangerous mission, he summons the ranger Miramon Nasir to his court. He holds little love for the talented but rebellious ranger who prefers spending her time caring for the animals of the glen rather than socializing with her elven kin. The task suits Mirama, a loner, whose curiosity often lands her before Funor to be reprimanded for one transgression or another. Under orders from her king, Mirama strikes out for the east and has only recently arrived at a lonely keep on the outskirts of the great eastern wastes. Cleric, Thorson Hammerfist, hails from the Stone Kingdom of King Odric and the Grey Dwarves. His older brother, Garkist, joined the Longbeards, Odric's elite personal guard, and Thorson's lot as a second son saw him cloistered in the retreat known as Moradin's Mountain. At the age of twelve, he became an acolyte there, and only recently entered formal service as a cleric of Moradin. Thorson proudly wears the headband of Morden, the oldest of the dwarven gods and patron deity of creation, earth, good, law, and protection. Several weeks ago, he left the mountain, ready to spread the hand of measured justice across Udric's kingdom. But as he neared his home, as the familiar rocky face of the stone kingdom rose to welcome its returning son, the earth beneath Thorson's feet began to shake violently. Great fissures opened in the road, ancient trees became uprooted and snapped like matchsticks, and animals fled for their lives from the surrounding forest. These chaotic flashes of memory are the only thing Thorson can recall of the event. When the great upheaval subsided, the Stone Kingdom lay in ruin, thousands dead, including King Odric. From harried survivors, Thorson learned of rumors from the east that had not reached his ears in the faraway monastery. Rumors of an ancient evil awakening. With Moradin's call to witness for justice burning within him, Thorson takes up the quest to seek an accounting for the suffering of his people, and to protect others from the evil rising in the east. He's made his way to a lonely keep, the last symbol of civilization, a gateway to the great eastern wastes. And now, an interview by our executive producer, Jason Onsbach author of the sci-fi novel Till Death, and our favorite barbarian, Barabosa. Hey everybody, this is executive producer Jason Onspock, and I am interviewing Forbes West today. Uh, Forbes, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing pretty well, pretty well, thanks. Now, uh, we're one episode into the podcast, and already we're getting some feedback. Uh, one of our fans said this, I love the bard. Whoever the heck that guy was, I forget. How about that? Well, that's very nice. That's very kind of him. I appreciate that. So, yeah, Try- you're standing out uh, just out of that first episode. We got a lot of feedback that way with a lot of people being entertained by uh, Farson's antics. Oh, okay. that's, a very, that's very kind to hear. I'm glad everyone's liking that. I'm enjoying myself with that. <laughs> that's good. So, obviously, we're sitting down uh, virtually playing tabletop games. Are you a gamer in your everyday life? You know what? Not so much. No, I actually kind of like watching other people play video games a lot. And, um, I mean, I have, I do own two games. I have Fallout New Vegas and I got uh, Skyrim. And I like those kind of games just because it's this giant, wide-open kind of 
world that you don't get constricted by like you know certain plots are kind of pushing in a certain direction or you know certain checkpoints have to be done i kind of like this open world field so definitely i love the uh the newer rpg games that came out so i don't follow new vegas thing is five years old now yeah but that's solid games though yeah no they're very decent i love them so then this was your first experience playing D&D Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I, 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 this is my very, very first experience. And again, this has been actually a lot of fun. I've never uh, done this before. I uh, tried to, I think, in high school, but of course we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And we got kind of bored after a while because, again, it wasn't kind of well put together. No one knew what they were doing. I tried it once and that was about it. But uh, no, so this is basically my real first time with a real a cool thing going. And that's been awesome. It's a game with a lot of history, and it's uh, ingrained with pop culture. What was your impression of the game, uh, its players, before you actually seriously played? Uh, you know, I, I gotta be, you know, uh, uh, pretty honest. You know, I was prejudiced because I'm, you know, I, I'm just stupid like that at times, and so I, I just thought that, um, you know, I, I, I kind of thought it was like this nerdy thing that was just kind of way too weird. But then I realized that. I'm just a closeted nerd, and I should have been uh, more outgoing with my nerdy self. And I think it's actually been a lot of fun. It's actually pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I like I like the fact that it's just in your imagination. It's free flowing. You can go any which way. That's I guess reason why I kind of like uh, you know Skyrim, Fallout type games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really lets you just kind of come out of your shell and and be someone that you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was again. That's been more than enjoyable. So you kind of touched on that, uh, saying that you like the open-ended nature of it. Uh, what else have you enjoyed about playing the game? I enjoy playing with everybody. This is kind of fun. Everyone kind of knows what they're doing, and, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So everyone's been very kind about this, and, you know, I think it's it's pretty awesome. And you got a guy like, you know, Nicole who loves this stuff, and, again, he's one of the coolest cats around. And then, you know, we've got other people, too, and this has been, this has been pretty awesome. I've been, I've been having such a guess with this. I think this is great. Yeah, this was all Nick Cole's brainchild, um, and all of us sort of got individually brought in by Nick. Uh, how did you get uh, into this project? Did he ask you? Did he give you a call and say, Forbes, I want you? How did it work? I think we were talking about, I want to say it was about pretty much almost about nine months ago or ten months ago even. Uh, he kind of brought up the idea. I heard of something in the wind before. From Michael, uh, I think it was a different idea that he had going, but it was using a lot of the same uh, stuff. And you and mean so, Michael Bunker? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's pretty much how I got kind of dragged into it. I heard a little bit more about it, and then, uh, yeah, that came from there. Good stuff. Now, you've got into the game. Um, You've made a character, and I want to talk about your character for just a little bit uh, because he's an interesting guy. So we've got Forbes West, FW, Farson Windhook, FW, uh, sarcastic joke man, drinks away his problems. Are you are you playing yourself? I'm playing an extreme version myself. Yeah, I'm just having more fun with that. I'm not that real wild. I'm a I'm a giant coward about a lot of things. So no, I'm not anything like that. It's like the Vince McMahon style, you know, take your personality and turn it up to 11. Pretty much, yeah. It's like it's, it's all the exaggerations. It's not exactly like one big untruth. It's just kind of everything at once. <laughs> so how did you come up with the idea for your character? Uh, I came up with the idea pretty much, 
kind of just looking around at the character classes and realizing that of all the characters who probably would not know exactly what they're doing and were trying to keep up the whole time, I think a bard character would be good for that. <laughs> just from a very initial superficial screening. And again, anyone who's a very dedicated bard, I mean, no offense, it's just, it seems like I could hang in the background for a little bit and kind of learn my way and kind of get my way to that. And you, your guy has a very distinct flavor and personality. He's got a nice uh, a nice streak where he's kind of cowardly but willing to throw down at the same time, speaks his mind. Did you go into the adventure saying, I know exactly how I'm going to act, or have you just sort of been uh, more improvisational as you've played? I've been just straight improvisational. I kind of knew what I was supposed to act like just to have fun, and that's kind of my point. Personality, like you said, turned up to 11. So, uh, yeah, I just improvised. I just I had no real idea what I could do, so I just kind of threw myself into it. So, as readers have already said, and anyone who's listened to the podcast has noticed, your character comes off really entertaining. Um, and part of that, obviously, is your feel for characters as a writer. Um, but you have some acting experience, don't you? You know, I do not have any acting experience. I've been lucky to work as a a producer, a writer for a couple of uh, short films. So, no, I don't actually have any acting experience. I just, uh, again, I've just been shortly just with my wife as uh, a fellow producer. We've been actually slowly going into uh, uh, the film business on the independent side. So, um, no, I don't actually have any previous acting. I just, I've been around very good actors. And I guess I'm just trying to copycat as much as I can. Right. Well, it seems to be working pretty well. Thank you. So, all right, so you're a film producer. You're a acting podcaster, you're a, a role player, uh, but let's talk about books. When you're going through something like this and you're putting yourself into the world that's being created here, what sort of books remind you of what we're doing now with this adventure? The kind of books, um, pretty much, you know, I'm not as like widely read in, the, in uh, fantasy. I mean, I like Lovecraft. I don't like, uh, again, like... Uh, real kind of like fantasy stuff. I mean, I've read Lord of the Rings and it kind of reminds me of also The Hobbit, I guess, because it seems that there's a, how do you say, kind of like this kind of good feeling kind of adventure going on. So it's not exactly as dark as some of the other like fantasy short stories I remember reading in the past. Right, yeah, it does have, and, and part of that probably is the paladin's presence in the middle of the party, but it does have the uh, let's fight and march against evil uh, feel to it. Which is, yeah, that's a cool old trope. I like that. Right. And when you've read Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, I don't know, you know, our listeners can probably send you in some essential reading. But in my mind, if you've got that down, you've got a you've got an education in the basics, you know? I think so. I mean, that's kind of like the granddaddy of a lot of things. I mean, you can see uh, anything in, like, other forms of media or, like, in other novels, too. Like, they all have to give a real big nod to Lord of the Rings in some way and The Hobbit. So as an author... Now, working in a more fantasy environment as you craft your character and interact in a fantasy world, has it given you a desire to maybe branch out and write some fantasy fiction? Absolutely, yeah. I would be excited to. I think uh, I want to be doing something with the the character itself that I kind of just developed uh, during this podcast and see, you know, again, put them in kind of uh, adventurous situations as kind of like a prequel to uh, what our story is. So... I would definitely like to do that. I think it would be something, uh, a lot of fun to do. I've been uh, a little intimidated by it because I never thought I could get it just right. 
where it'd be uh, at once, um, what you might call it, kind of uh, down to earth in a way, but without actually taking away all the fun and fantasy of it, kind of like sucking the life out of it. So I was a little intimidated by the genre, so I'm excited to be doing this. Yeah, and I think uh, as a writer, one of the things that you start to realize across science fiction or fantasy is just how character-driven uh, these stories are. You know, in, in each case, these guys are great characters, and I think you, know, you could plant your character outside of a fantasy world and put him in the future, put him in the present world, and still have a really compelling story. Yeah, I think so, too. That's kind of a neat thing. So the show itself is called Sci-Fi Writers, playing old-school D&D. You're an author, and uh, why don't you tell us about uh, your most recent book, your most recent release? Well, my most recent one that's out is um, part of the Apocalypse Weird universe, and that's uh, Medium Talent. And uh, kind of like a lot of the other books that have their own particular setting, I have mine set at uh, Key West in the Florida Keys. And uh, it's basically a tale of uh, life right after the apocalypse and how people are making do. Society hasn't totally fallen apart, but it's kind of creeping towards the edge. And I have a young woman character, Wendy Wicker, who is a uh, captain of a fishing boat who's making her way up and down the uh, Florida Keys. And she is basically using whatever means she can to survive in this you know, new destroyed environment. And after uh, one kind of busy night, she gets involved with uh, a few people and things kind of go wrong. And she finds herself in a very strange and very... Uh, distinct situation that might have some uh, might cause uh, some doings in the universe. So, uh, <laughs> I, and I've read I've read Medium Talent, and that's the point where my mind started to melt. That you're just talking about right there. <laughs> so that's not your first book. Uh, what are some other books? If someone was uh, introduced to you through this podcast and wanted to go and, and look into your back catalog, what would you recommend they check out? What's something that might appeal to a listener to this podcast? I think through the podcast, um, well, I mean, I do have my first book, my first novel, Nighthawks at the Mission, which is kind of a, how do you say, it is a kind of a, not fantasy book per se, it's kind of a, it's a magical realism, I guess maybe would be a term for it almost, or again, something like that. It's a, it's a fantasy kind of set in the contemporary times, not like a true fantasy, but uh it's about this uh, young woman, Sarah Orange, and she leaves to basically this new world we discovered through a portal in the South Pacific. And uh, while there, she tries to establish herself in this new place along with some other settlers from the contemporary modern United States. And uh, she has to deal with the issues of the settlers and that there's a growing terrorist threat. And uh, again, the, the terrorists here in this different world use magic and they also infiltrate and hide out in these ancient destroyed cities from a past uh, civilization. And so uh, that's my first one. And that one, again, it's a lot of fun. That one is, I think, very entertaining. And uh, I also wrote uh, Tales of Tinfoil. I didn't write the whole thing. I wrote, I wrote a short story with a lot of other very talented authors. And I got a story in there, uh, Day for Night, which I think is also a very interesting and quick read. And, uh, you know, if you get that, you got a bunch of other, again, uh, great authors with their own uh, Tales of Tinfoil stories. It's awesome to read, and it's just a great crowd. And available on Amazon.com right now. Yeah, exactly. So one last thing before we go, kind of like a, a final segment we want to call Ability Check. And uh, what we're going to do here is compare your character's God-given abilities with Forbes, Forbes West, the man. 
So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what your character excels at as far as his five or his uh, six ability classes, and you can tell me how Forbes would would roll out. So so Farson being a bard, he's a strength seven. And how does Forbes stack up? Uh, so strength negative two. I, I'm lucky <laughs> to get the floor sometimes. But are you are you so do you have the dexterity of this bard because his dexterity is 16. Oh my god, no. I I I am very clumsy. I will fall down the first instant. So then constitution being 12. Um, <laughs> you get you get sick a lot? Yeah, no, not really. Not as much as I used to. So I guess my constitution has built up over time. I'm pretty good about that. So one thing, and I don't mean this as a slight, but I mm-hmm. I think your character is hiding it. A little bit is his intelligence is 15, so he's a smart guy. He's, uh, he's a smart guy. He's uh, I I think myself to be fairly intelligent, hopefully at times, and uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're an educated guy. Yeah, no, I mean I got some stuff, so I mean yeah, I don't think I'm a dummy by any means, but uh, I'm a little slow in the uptake about certain things coming across. And maybe that's where the wisdom comes in, because Farson has a wisdom of 11. Okay. How about Forbes? Ooh, wisdom. No, I'm not a very wise guy. I'm still learning a lot of stuff, man. It's, you're wise enough to be honest, right? So no one can that knows you can call in and say no, no. <laughs> There'll be a lot of callers for that one. There'll be a lot of people pointing that out. So here's your highest score, and I think this might be the one that matches closely with Forbes, uh, the person here, and that's your charisma. And Farson has a 17. Okay, I you know I if I. Uh... Yeah, I mean, if I can loosen up a bit, uh, I, I can swing that, I think. You know, I can be a good uh, speech maker. I can uh, work the room a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, I think that's right on. Well, Forbes, it's been a real pleasure to have you on, and you're the first guest of our uh, our podcast, the first author that's been lined up and been able to tell us a little bit about your character and about yourself. I really appreciate having you on today. Hey, thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate being on the show. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good day. You too. But wait, there's more. And now, this week's Random Encounter.
Today's random encounter was brought to you by Jeff Kurtnacker. You can find him on Twitter, at Jeff Kurtnacker, and he's the composer of the massively multiplayer online game Wildstar. He also has an album available on iTunes and some tracks over at SoundCloud. Please check our website for more on how to find Jeff. Well, that's our show. Our next show will resume our party's adventure among the unknown dangers in the Great Eastern Wastes. Just a hint, it gets weird. I'm Chris Porto, author of Tales of Bee Company, The Complete Collection. Our executive producer is Jason Ansbach, author of Till Death. Our director is Hank Garner, author of Mulligan, A Tale of Time Travel and Second Chances. Kevin G. Summers, author of The Bleak December, and who sometimes plays the enigmatic half-elf thief, Rook, designed our epic logo. You can pick it up on hoodies and shirts over in our Green Dragon Loot Shop. The shop's logo was created by the lovely and talented Guinevere Boar, our DM spousal unit. Go check out the Loot Shop, our bios, and more over at OldSchoolDnd.com. That's O-L-D-S-C-H-O-O-L-D-N, as in Nancy, D.com. That's all for now, and thank you for listening. <laughs>